Uh, so I'm going to start with uh, announcements, which I figure is there's as much Dharma as anything else, and then I'll repeat them at the end if I remember, uh, but then we'll have it covered, plus I, I want to say something about next week. Uh, so the all-day sit is this Saturday, I believe, and Norman uh, is is leading. On the 20th, today's the 18th, so Friday is uh, uh, Philip Whalen's birthday celebration. This is all on the website. And next week here in uh, in Sangha in seminar is uh, it's the it's the fourth week, and so it will be hybrid. So some of you will be on screen, and I really hope some of you will uh, who are local will be in Tiburon, because we are going to have our very own in-person Sangha, well, in-person and online Sangha Way Seeking Mind Talks. So it takes courage to do this. Uh, three, three people have said yes. Uh, so please, as much as you can, let's be there to support them. And we're all going to, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to taste uh, way-seeking mind through your own particular lives. Uh, so next week, Liz and Audrey will be speaking in person, sharing their way-seeking story, and uh, Shufi will be online and sharing her life through the eyes through buddha eyes uh, so let's put up the wheel of life uh, once again i hope we're becoming uh, have a sense of affinity and maybe even love for it um, i'll just review a little bit that there are many different depictions of the wheel of life. Uh, the, the basic characteristics of it are the same, but they change from, from uh, uh, image from whoever the artist was and maybe what their tradition or orientation is. Uh, this one I think is particularly beautiful because I've said this before, but I love the blue of it. I love the open blue sky behind it that seems to uh, permeate in, into the wheel of life. The wheel of life is your life, my life. Uh, it's karmic life. It's samsaric life. It's held uh, by Yama, who is uh, birth and death. It's the life of limitations. It's the life of this is me and you, and uh, we're all going to die. And in the meantime, we have this amazing opportunity to wake up. But in the very center is uh, greed, hate, and delusion going round and round. And around that going round and round are beings uh, headed down, unwholesome choices, headed up, wholesome choices. Uh, the big circle around the outer edge is the 12-fold chain of causation, which is cause and effect. If this happens, that happens. If this doesn't happen, that doesn't happen. And in the center are the six realms. Uh, this, this wheel is a little different than others, but basically the, the six realms are the same. The very top is the God realm. I, I hope, uh, let me stress again, Traditionally, this was thought about as rebirths, um, but it's also psychological states. 
it's also maybe you got a god realm in this lifetime and uh but you never know what's going to happen next so there's the god realm of protection and comfort and luxury and everything's really pretty much uh it's pre it's pre pretty good but it's still it, i mean it's very very good but it's still subject to cause and effect uh, in the on in this particular one, if you go to the left hand side, it's the Asuras, it's the jealous gods or the angry gods. Uh, they've got it pretty good, but they're really insecure. There's a lot of jealousy and warring because they can see that there's somebody who's got it better than them. So uh, there's a sense of competition and uh, not a sense of contentment or that things are okay. If you go, uh, let's see, maybe we'll, uh, if you go the next one down underneath, follow it down, there's the god, the uh, jealous gods, the asuras, the, the animal realm. The animal realm um, is the realm of I know my dog was a bodhisattva. <laughs> I don't have any doubt about that in a dog body. Um, I don't know that my dog uh, was able to aspire the same way a human being does to save all beings. Although every time I say these things, I always have another argument in my head. But traditionally, uh, you, you want to be born in, we'll go to the uh, one just to the right of the God realm. You want to be born, the most auspicious birth is to be born as a human being. Because in the realm of human beings there is just the right amount of suffering not too much uh, which we'll see in the hell realm in a minute and not so much luxury that uh, there's a sense of complacency there is the potential to wake up and to develop compassion for yourself and for other people if you go down on the right underneath that that's the gray area it's a little hard to see that's the realm of the hungry ghosts the hungry ghosts are, have big bellies, narrow throats, they can't be satisfied. It's often a realm of uh, addiction, what it might look like, or uh, perhaps compulsivity in, in this life or in mental states. Uh, it's definitely a realm of suffering. And then if we go to the very bottom, it's the hell realms. On the right hand side is the icy hell realms, cold. On the left-hand side is the fiery, fiery anger. Uh, anger is usually the root, the cause of being propelled into hell realms. I think we each can know hell realms in our own psyche and in our own hearts, and we can also witness uh, areas of the world and uh, people and social classes and races that for no uh, apparent cause of their own are living in hell realms. The wonderful thing about this wheel, which you don't see in every wheel, but if you look carefully uh, for the ones that are complete in my view, there's a bodhisattva in each one of these realms. The wonderful thing about the bodhisattva is the bodhisattva is completely there to help and takes on the appearance and the form of what's needed in that realm. So you might, if you were in the God realm, you might appear as a God because that would be the most helpful and the most skillful thing to do. If you were a Bodhisattva in a hell realm, 
you would you would be there in a way that uh, uh, beings in hell might respond and recognize you. Uh, Jizo Bodhisattva, that's Jizo's most favorite realm. Fearlessly just going into hell realms just is how can I help? Uh, if we zoom it back out. Yeah, there we go. So it's said that this tanka, this wheel, uh, is really the whole of the Buddha's teachings. And so we see in the upper right-hand side, there's a Buddha with a teaching mudra. And we see the Buddha in this one pointing to the full moon of enlightenment or of awakening. So all of this is turning and always happening everywhere. The entire world is Buddha's body. It's just when we're identified, and the more deeply we're identified with self, we are more and more caught and bound by yama. Okay, let's take that down, and then we're going to go on and we're going to play around uh, in our own, bring, try to bring this a little bit closer into our own lives. So the wheel of life, the world of karma, it's the world of cause and effect. It's conditioned by place, time, family, events, 100,000 million causes and conditions, but we're completely convinced it's me. It's a realm of taking things quite personally. Uh, it's the realm of sickness, aging, and death. It's the realm of impermanence as we try very, very hard to make things permanent. Uh, just as I shared this earlier, but Yvonne, uh, this was one of her core teachings, so I want to mention it again. Birth will end in death. Youth will end in old age. Meetings will end in separation. Wealth will end in loss. All things in cyclical existence are transient and impermanent. It's a good base foundation teaching. And it's exactly where we want to be. It's like we got a human birth and we're in the wheel of life and we're all waking up together. Uh, Dogen says in Shoji, which is life and death, seeking after Buddha outside life and death is like trying to go to Yui in the south or the trills of our cart, heading to the north, or like trying to see the north star while we are facing south. If we seek Buddha outside life and death, we could accumulate the causes of life and death more and more and lose the path of liberation. Just understand that life and death is itself nirvana and neither dislike life or death nor seek after nirvana. Only at that time will it be possible for us to be released from life and death. So it's a koan and a paradox is here we are completely in a body that looks to me like it's aging and the world that looks like There's suffering and it would be great to get out of it. 
and whatever it is, it's exactly what we need. And we need a bodhisattva in each realm. So the wheel of life and the wheel of Dharma. Dogen says in Shawaku Makusa, Buddha's true Dharma body is like the empty sky. It manifests forms responding to conditions just like the moon reflected in the water. That's the truth of our lives. Our life is completely interconnected in ways we can't, or as Thich Nhat Hanh said, interbe in ways we can't even begin to imagine how deeply we are interwoven and in timeless, boundless time and space, even as we are exactly here. Uh, Norman, I'll repeat again from last week in uh, The World Could Be Otherwise, or The World Is Just As It Is, says the bodhisattva path of being true human beings is transforming the wheel of karma into compassion and concern for others, an all-inclusive identity with others that goes beyond and expands the heart. So we're here to wake up to compassion, to expand the heart, and to ground our lives over and over again in love and in, we could say, the bodhisattva vow. I would say living our lives by vow. There's a beautiful, I'm sure most of you know, uh, haiku by Isa that so beautifully bridges being in this human world and also aware of uh, the infinite and the perfection of everything and yet and yet. This world of do, this world of do, and yet and yet. Uh, he knew incredible loss. He wrote that after the death of his daughter, and there were many deaths before that and many more to come. And the world of do is a world of do, and yet, and yet. So way-seeking mind. I think as a child, things are much closer. This world of tenderness and love and wonder as the infinite shines through is just childlike mind, beginner's mind. And then we become much more conditioned by our circumstances, by fear, by anger, by whatever occurs to us or happens to us in our lives. So way-seeking mind, bodhisattva mind, bodhicitta mind, is the mind that asks us to see the turnings and the karmic stream of this life through eyes of practice, through Buddha eyes, through bodhisattva eyes and heart. So I thought it might be interesting and fun to share with you uh, part of Mel Weissman's Way Seeking Mind Talk. Mel Weissman uh, was Norman's teacher and if you're in the everyday Zen lineage, Mel is on our lineage papers. And uh, 
So here's something Mel had to say about way-seeking mind and practice in bodhicitta. Bodhicitta is sometimes called our way-seeking mind. It is the motivation to awaken for the benefit of others, to liberate all beings drowning in the sea of samsara. It is the basis of all Mahayana practices. It arises as the aspiration to engage in generous generosity, patience, wisdom, and effective activity that we know through the paramitas and we know through the bodhisattva precepts. Walking the path to complete realization fulfills this deep desire for universal liberation, what Suzuki Roshi called our innermost request. Way-seeking mind is a deep intention to align oneself with a true path. We say get rid of desire, but you can't get rid of desire. When desire is in conformity with our deepest request, then it's no longer called desire. It's called way-seeking mind. What is your deepest innermost request? It's important to touch this place may arise as different words, different images at different times. But what is your innermost request? Then Mel goes on to say that he was born in 1929 to Jewish parents, but didn't have a real Jewish upbringing. But he was curious. Uh, one day they were riding in a car, he was with his family, and uh, there was an issue of Life magazine, I guess. Uh, must have been in the car. And there was a picture of Hasidic rabbis on the cover. And Mel looked at that picture and immediately felt an affinity. I think we all have moments like this. It's like we don't quite get it in linear time and space, but something in us knows. And he says, that's probably what aroused my way-seeking mind. So he came to San Francisco, went to art school, started reading spiritual literature, and one of his wife's friends uh, said she'd show him how to meditate. So he went and he sat, and then he wanted to keep going on more. And then he became interested in Judaism and wanted to explore Jewish, Jewish roots. He had no intention of going anywhere else. He was in San Francisco, so he stayed. It never occurred to me to go someplace else to find what I was looking for. I was kind of naive. I did some study of Judaism and I was very turned on in my own way and I was interested in religion, period. I think we don't show up here haphazardly. I think we all have this path, whatever tradition you grew up in. But something early on got seated and led us along the way. Then he says, one time a friend told me he had been going to the Zen Center, San Francisco Zen Center, early in the morning for some months, and that there was a Zen priest there. Zazen was at 545, so we walked to Fillmore Street early in the morning and went to the Zen Center. I remember walking into a bare, beautiful room. There were some tamtamis around the edge, no goza mats, no zabutons, walking and sitting down on the tatami, facing the wall, and then quite not quite knowing what to do. 
but there I was. Somebody came up behind me and adjusted my posture and showed me the mudra. It was Suzuki Roshi. I felt wonderful just to be sitting there. And then we got up and we did service and we bowed and we chanted. And he just kept going back. He just kept going back. At some point I had a revelation. Maybe it wasn't such a revelation, but it was more a feeling of the inevitable that this is what I had to do. That this is what I'd been looking for. So I just continued and I've been doing it ever since. So that's the story, the short story. And he gives a couple more moments. I'm going to call these turning moments or awakening moments or way-seeking mind stories. He said once when he was a teenager, he was walking through a parking lot. He said, I get things walking through parking lots. Some people get things in the zendo. Some people get them in the showers. Mel Weissman got them walking through parking lots. And he suddenly had the feeling that the events of his life, the things that were happening were not my true life. That my true life was more subjective and internal and was not something that was affected by those events, but was separate from what was happening, like going to school and relating to my parents and my friends. There was something that was deeply different or separate from those events that I felt was my true life. I think I later identified that perception as my way-seeking mind or deeper intention. I like to call it deep intention or true intention, which wasn't being addressed by any of the events in my life, and that was a kind of awakening. He says, I thought, wow, there's more to life than these events. Then he goes on. He says Suzuki Roshi ordained him, and he used to give him koans informally. One of the favorites was, what is it? I've always worked with that, and just being alive is enough. So I just continued. I've been doing it ever since. So that's the story, the short story, the big story, just this, and what is it? We've all got them, right? A couple that came to me, just short little snippets, just to seed them in you is, I was 26 years old, I was growing up in Ohio. I was really sure that that wasn't what was really going on, but I remember going into on a road trip, my first road trip with my sister and my best friend into the Vermont country store and seeing uh, the Tassajara bread book that had just come out. And I remember, it's, it's stilled in time. I remembered the dust motes looked like gold in the air. Everything stopped. I picked it up and I thought, this person knows how to live. And I essentially went home, packed up my life, and hitchhiked to San Francisco Zen Center. And I've been here doing this ever since. Couple more little. I was on a boat in Lake Tahoe, a sailboat. 
he sailed to the other shore kind of fits the metaphor <laughs> with my sister-in-law and we would we were sleep we were sleeping out on the deck my husband and i and i woke up in the middle of the night and suzuki roshi was there at the rudder of the boat and there was a full moon behind him and he hooted at me like an owl and i knew this is my life just no no question I mean, of course I have doubts and lots of other things, but that moment, same thing, stilled moment. And one more is when Norman founded Every Day Zen. He used to say, uh, what we're doing is about humility, seeing each person as Buddha and being of service. Like, I'm in. That's what I've known and what I've wanted my whole life. These little moments of Buddha moments, passing up, passing in, bleeding through, right in the midst of this wheel of Dharma, the wheel of karma, the wheel of life. So I want to spend a few more minutes talking to you about Suzuki Roshi's way seeking, uh, his description of way seeking mind. He's still at the rudder of my boat, hooting at me, and maybe he'll hoot at you a little bit through through this. Uh, and then I want to uh, divide us up so that each person here can bring forward and share with a few others the moments where you have a sense of the truth of uh, the mystery of this life, that it's exactly what it is and it's not what you think it is. Suzuki Roshi says, when we feel the evanescence of life or when we have problems for ourselves that you have to face, that is how you arise the way-seeking mind. When you are young, young enough to act as you want, you can choose something good, ignoring something bad, and by working on something good, you may feel good enough to spend your early life. But underneath it, there's some uneasiness. I always had an uneasiness, some dark feeling, some feeling nobody was telling me the truth about what was really going on. He goes on to say, by human nature, human beings have, by nature, human beings have good and bad sides, half and half. And when you want to do something good at the same time, you don't want to do something good. And the more you reflect on yourself, however, the more conscientious you become, but then the more you do it, you actually realize how confused and deluded you are. So this waking up process is, uh, there's mountains, D Dogen says mountains are mountains and rivers are rivers. And then there's a whole period or process that's of course turning all the time of mountains aren't mountains and rivers aren't rivers. The life that you thought you had begins to come apart. And the more it's coming apart, I think there's more awareness about uh, what it is to be a human being and how we have these really good, wonderful aspirations and about how we also do harm. And that's ex exa exactly the beauty of this waking up process. Uh, this waking up and this searching 
of coming back over and over again, right in the midst of the wheel of life and the wheel of Dharma. Suzuki Roshi says, when we realize the absolute presence of our contradictory nature, the way-seeking mind arises and we begin to work on ourselves instead of being so caught and bound in the material world, trying to change it out there. Human nature is always the same. It's impossible to obtain a perfect idealistic spiritual culture in our human world or in ourselves. I think that's maybe one of the last ones we let go of. No, there must really be something wrong here with me because I'm trying so hard and here I am again. Looks a little different, but wow, does this feel familiar? He says we should really realize human nature is always the same. It is necessary to know actually what is our human world or what is our human nature. If you fail to observe and study the wheel of life, oh, this is being a human being. Even though you study Buddhism, what you require is not what the Buddha meant. Our study is not to improve upon the actual fact that we have good and bad and half and half as our human nature. Even Buddha accepted this truth. Buddha said our human life is a life of suffering. This is a fundamental truth. Knowing this fact, having this deep understanding of human nature, we may continue our life step by step, helping each other. Oh, I think we're in this together. A beautiful saying, some people have said Suzuki Roshi didn't say it, is life is like getting into a leaky boat and rowing out into the middle of the ocean and sinking. I, I think that's actually really wonderful. Oh, we're all in this great ocean together. Helping each other. The way-seeking mind should be realized in our actual world, which includes flowers and stones and leaky boats. No, he didn't say that. And oceans and stars and moon. The true way-seeking mind can only be actualized in full scale. Where there are human beings, there's the sun and the stars, the land and the ocean, fish and grasses and birds. And without this vast area to live in, where we can have our various problems, we cannot survive in this world. What you got is exactly Buddha's body. This world and this time. It's Buddha's body. Here we are, Bodhisattvas, waking up in the midst of the suffering. Our human effort, our human culture should be based on an imperturbable conviction of vow but it shouldn't be limited to ourselves. This is what I, Suzuki Roshi, means by the way-seeking mind. So our activity should be limitlessly small and at the same time should be limitlessly great. There is no difference in the greatness of our activity 
and what may seem a trivial small activity, they have the same value. You don't know what to do about the suffering in the world? Begin with take care of what's in front of you, please. Take care of washing the dishes. <laughs> take care of, I just heard birdsong outside. Take care of the person next to you. Fall down and get up over and over. says the more you practice zazen the more you find out the true deeper meaning of your practice sit we have this incredibly beautiful embodied practice it's not just intellectual dogen says over and over you can't get this intellectually think not thinking sit down zazen body walk around Breathe it in and out. Be breathed in and out. And Suzuki Roshi says, the bodhisattva mind is to pursue good and truth and beauty. The bodhisattva mind is to pursue good and truth and beauty right here in this very life. To follow the way is bodhisattva mind. If one person follows the way, that one person will help hundreds of people. What a mystery all this is. The longer I live, completely, uh, Dogen says Buddhists are completely aware that they're deluded. I'm completely sure that I'm a deluded human being. And I'm also simultaneously, in my better moments, <laughs> grateful that I have exactly this delusion and got exactly this life, because how else am I going to wake up and know about uh, joy and suffering and beauty and love and care here and afar? What an amazing thing to get a precious human life that includes all of the six realms in our inner psychology. So now it's up to you guys. I'm going to ask if Maya, uh, in a minute, can put us in groups of three and uh, really ask that each person uh, five minutes, I really give each person five minutes to just witness and li listen. That's what bodhisattvas do. Be really present for each other. So one person, five minutes just to explore, turning moments, way-seeking mind, but through your own experience. And maybe Maya could post five minutes and five minutes and five minutes, and then you'll have a little bit of time, maybe five or 10 minutes to talk together. And then we'll come back and, uh, uh, I love that Suzuki Roshi, maybe I said this, the story is, is that he would greet each person when they came in, into the Zendo and say, uh, hello, Bodhisattva. So we'll listen to each other 
with our bodhisattva ears and eyes and bodies, and then we'll come back and we'll see what we have to share. Okay? Confidentiality, keep each other safe, take good care of each other. You can put me in a room, too. Okay, I will do that, Chris. Trying to see who's at Eva's house to discern the faces. I put you in a room. There you go.